Welcome to the Dark Zone, an adventure racing podcast. <laughs> it's going to be an amazing race, no doubt. I mean, literally, I think it's one, two, one, three, four, five, and eight in the world, if I'm if I'm correct, and you know, don't quote me on that in particular, but really top tier teams are going to be battling it out in a in what is probably almost a completely new terrain for almost all of them. Okay. You people sit tight, hold the fort, and keep the home fires burning. And if we're not back by dawn, call the president. You're going the wrong way! What? You're going the wrong way! He says we're going the wrong way. Oh, he's drunk. How would he know where we're going? Yeah, how would he know? Thank you. Thanks a lot. Welcome to the Dark Zone at Adventure Racing Podcast. This is your host, Brian Gatens. Episode number 89. Today we have Jason Bettis and Danny Collins, race directors for Expedition Ozark. Last year they had a very successful 2023 edition, and they're back for more in 2024. In this episode, they talk about the learning curve of being first-time race directors, the terrain and preparation for the 2024 edition, and all the beauty that that part of Arkansas has to offer. So thanks for being here, and thanks for being listeners. Sit back and relax. Enjoy this episode of The Dark Zone. Thank you to Jade Eagles from Wealth Garden Financial Services for sponsoring this episode. Jade is a fellow adventure racer who first started in Australia 15 years ago and recently completed the World Championship in South Africa. His other passion is helping individuals and their families establish a positive relationship with money and partnering with his clients to plan for a financially secure future. To learn more about Jade and his financial planning practice, The Wealth Garden, please visit www.thewealthgardenfs.com and drop him a note. That's www.thewealthgardenfs.com. As a listener of The Dark Zone, you know that we support Ascend Athletics. We encourage everyone to head over to ascendathletics.org and check out their new initiative called Invest in Her, an investment in the future of girls in places where access is limited. Ascend Athletics does a great job working with young women in Afghanistan and Pakistan through education, climbing, and other opportunities. We encourage all of our listeners to visit ascendathletics.org and check out Invest in Her. Thank you for being a listener, and thank you for supporting Ascend. And remember, Ascend pays nothing for this sponsorship. We like what they do and are proud to pass along word of their good work. We are joined today by Expedition Ozark Race Directors, Danny Collins and Jason Bettis. They are returning for the second edition of Expedition Ozark. Big hit last year, big race, big fun, and big teams. And we're excited to have them back on the dark zone to talk about the 2024 edition of the race. So Danny and Jason, thank you for coming on to the show. Very happy to be here with us. Let's let's go back in time a little bit, because what's interesting for the listeners, if they go back to previous episodes of The Dark Zone, we did this over a year ago. We sat down, we had a conversation about the first edition of Ozark, what you were putting together, the challenges you had there. And that was the first race that the two of you had organized together and had just such a big, big race. And so now you had year one and into year two. Before we talk about year two, give us some reflections on the first edition of the race. What was your, your takeaway in terms of the race itself? How did it go? And then what did you learn going into the next race? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'll start. I it was it was an amazing learning experience, and I'm so glad that you know there were certain things that that did go our way, and 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 I would say a lot of things went our way. We had an amazing crew, staff, and volunteers that just persevered through some things that you know. I think one of the greatest reflections that Jason and I and and the greater team talk about is that all the hardships that we did encounter, I don't really think any of the teams felt any of that, which is just awesome to, to know. Um, but we learned a lot about uh, everything from just, you know, the logistics and the pace that some teams and that separation that every race director has to deal with from the front to the back of the pack. And, and then we also learned a lot about uh, just, you know, certain tweaks we can do to a course design that are, that some are worth the stresses on the logistics and some are probably not worth the stresses on the logistics in a lot of ways. But, uh, you know, the, the greatest thing is that, that mother nature, uh, was on our side for the majority of the week. We had a couple different small scares, but it didn't affect things such as the rivers. And so therefore, you know, we really got to do our a course and that's, that's something that Jason and I really wanted is to be able to do that a course and, uh, and prove to everybody how, magnificent and amazing uh the ozarks backyard is and that was the general feedback on the race the fact that you you the two of you did deliver the expected race to the racer right and you know you know the expression it's almost a a trope but no plan survives first contact with the enemy right and the idea that you you build a race the race is built in theory it's it's very metaphorical in the beginning the way you want it to go and then the race begins and different things happen Jason, let me bounce over to you sure. for the next question. As you look back on the race itself and, and you know, things were true, the, 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 the tale of the race, the fact that the race gets so spread out over time, the checkpoints, the challenges, all of that. When you reflect on the, the human experience that the racers had and when they went through the course that, that you both designed, how do you think you're going to adjust going into this year in terms of those separate areas? Like I know last year you had a rope section, there's water section, of course, you know, as we all know from listening to the Dark Zone, you can't get into specifics about the race course. But in general, what adjustments do you sort of see to the overall course design based on the lessons you learned last year? Um, you know, from the overall course design, um, I can see alternate ways to um, to make um, checkpoints a little more, um, I don't know, easier on us per se. Um, I can see ways to um, maintain the same challenge that racers had um, and have the same outcome that they had before. Um, in learning what we learned last year, one thing that really was a, a big experience, a great learning experience, was understanding um, how different areas are governed differently. Um, some locations you can get off trail and go run through the woods. Some places you definitely cannot. Um, some governing bodies are very, very specific and others are, are more open to allowing you to do different things. So, um, that was something that was, that was very much learned. Um, we very much loved the way the racers responded to the race. Um, it was fun to see the um, fastest teams doing what they do best, moving as, as fast as they can, which, I mean, pushed my limit because I was out in front of them um, getting checkpoints put out in areas that were um, oh, public, 
so we couldn't set them up a week in advance or, you know, anything like that because they had to be put out immediately right before they got there. And so they pushed me to my limit. <laughs> and at the same time, it was great that we had the um, newbies in the race um, coming in and it was fun to watch their dot um, when I had a chance to see, you know, where they were at. Um, so it was, it was pretty, pretty neat, pretty magical. Tell us a bit about that area itself, you know, we're, we don't want to make the assumption that the listeners know all about that area, about Ozarks, about what you're putting on down there. You know, the success of last year's race was based upon the, the the terrain, the beauty of what happened. If someone's sitting home right now and you need to give an explanation of what they would encounter out there, what is the general topography, the gist, the kind of terrain that they'd come across during the race? Yeah, I mean, I think the greatest underestimate uh, thing that indiv- any individual comes to visit our areas is, is how much topography change we have uh it you know it is the ozark mountains and it's it's maybe not mountains for the the elevation itself but for the elevation change it is um you can have i I think i heard statistics that's related to you know from north to south across our state is is the same elevation change if you cut a line through uh you know east to west through the colorado right and so it is a lot of topography change especially in that northern part of the state um so that's that's definitely one thing that everybody needs to just really understand is we are going to have some meaty climbs and it is just a constant up and down. There's really no other way to to kind of dissect any of our races. Um, other than that, I think that you know this time of year is is we, you know we live in an area where there's a massive amount of change of seasons, right? Uh, we choose the spring for some obvious reasons. And I think a lot of those shown last year, uh, you know, the, mainly the, the water and the rivers that, that are really heavily rain dependent flowing really great that time of year, you know, last year, I think it was literally the perfect in where I've grown up here. And this, this idea that, um, if you can time it to see dogwoods and redbuds at the same time, you are in about the best one or two weeks of the entire year in a lot of people's opinions. And I would agree with that. So last year was perfect time-wise. You know, the other thing I'll say is you do have, um, you, de- you definitely do have some vegetation starting, right? And that's one thing we encountered last year. There will be some poison ivy. Uh, you know, there's no big wildlife to be nervous about, but definitely the poison ivy and the, and the brush and maybe the snakes are, that are somewhat coming out. Um, but yeah, but topography wise is probably the biggest thing I would, I would focus on and really, really rocky terrain. Um, you know, most of our trails are pretty well groomed and taken care of, but when you get off course, it's, uh, when you get off that trail, it, it is some, some terrain that definitely will slow you down. What's the projected distance of the race kilometer wise? You're going to make us do math right now. <laughs> I think it's, <laughs> it's, it's pretty close to last year's mileage right now. It's a little bit more total distance somewhere in that three, three fifty to through 400 miles. Yep. Okay. Okay. And, and what's the, from start to finish, how long will the race course be open? Uh, we, uh, it's five days. Yeah. Five it, days. So, it'll it'll be, so it's 120 hours. Yep. yep. It'll be 120 hours. Okay. Okay. And I'm assuming like, as, as we, as these courses are built around the world, you're, you're part of the adventure racing world series. And uh, for a five days, 120 hour course, they, for the most part, you expect the, the, the winter time to be about three and a half, four days. Is that what you're ballparking? Cause if I understand correctly, you got some heavy hitting teams coming down there. Yeah. I, I mean, the, I'll let Jason, you can talk about kind of the, the time and stuff, but you know, something that's pretty exciting to announce is that I think we're going to have, uh, as of right now, we have five of the top 10 teams that just finished from worlds, um, which is 
a ridiculous lineup. Last year was an amazing lineup, and and but you know from Estonian ace to Safat, the world champs themselves. Uh, uh, you know, Bend Racing is coming back to to you know try to defend their title from last year, and uh, Brazil Multisport is also coming, and I think they learned a lot from last year racing our course, and I expect them to to have maybe even a better performance than they did last year. So a lot of, uh, and Andy's racing as well. Right. So, you know, the Ecuadorian top team, that's, that's really amazing right now, Danny and Felipe, and they're racing with Nick Garcia. Um, uh, just, yeah. So incredible high teams that, you know, we, the one thing that Jason and I do from the way we design our course is that the pro points, the American way, a lot of people will talk it is the pro points versus the mandatory points. And that does allow us to try to close that gap a little bit, but it'll still be, you know, yeah, we would be expecting Jason, you can kind of maybe take on when, when you would sure. expect the first team to come in, but definitely some of the latest teams that have signed up have put, put that into a, a little bit of a revisit in our mind for sure. It's also worth pointing out, too, besides having such a powerful slate of teams coming down, Team Dark Zone Podcast will also will be joining the racers coming down there. So I look forward to not only mm-hmm. talking about the race today, but coming down there myself to race it with my friends Jim, Shari, and Pete. Um, you, know, you mentioned the tail of the race. Get that tail ready, right? Because you have the heavy hitters in the front, and then you have right. the non-heavy hitters in the back. Um, you know, we always like to say that that some teams get their full, their money's worth by taking up all 120 hours if they can. So we look forward to those people <laughs> also. Sure. Um, so, that, so, so, go ahead, Jason. I say that's one of our challenges is, you know, when we have the, the heavy hitters, the fastest teams, they blew our estimates out of the water last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Estonia and Bend um, coming in as tight as they did at the beginning. Uh, we're very fast. So we'll be using those times as a, uh, a, a ideal kind of fast time um, to help us set our course. Um, at the same time, um, you know, we definitely want to, um, advance adventure racing, advance the sport. So when we have the new teams coming in, we want to give them the opportunity to be successful. Um, and that's why we have the, the pro points and we have the mandatory points so that everybody can get their, their fill of the beauty of the Ozarks and, um, come away with, with great feelings to be able to, to hit their next race. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's a fair point to make, right? It's interesting is. You talk about adventure racing, idea of advancing the sport, right? And as, as I speak with listeners of the dark zone and I pay attention to people who are racers and we have these conversations, you, you talk about the idea that the, these these top teams, like the world champion is coming down there, right? You get in Safet, right? And Oscar and that whole crew, and they just, they, they blew right through Africa and had such a good, strong race when they were there and so many other teams. I think that what makes adventure racing such a, an appealing sport, and this is very, very good for those who are kind of kicking around expedition racing versus the longer races is that you could line up next to a team like a Viterate, line up next to an Estonia and to a Safet and recognize the fact that they're going to run their race, right? They have their experience. And then you have the teams that fall behind them. You have the middle of the pack and then even the back of the pack. And yet the course is accessible to both sets of teams in, in different ways, but fully accessible from an enjoyment and experience sort of way. Right. And there are some checkpoints that the teams, the middle of the back of the pack, they simply are not going to have the time to get to. Right. Time is always the challenge, but they will still have a full experience there. And what you don't do. And we saw the same thing last year when, you know, Ben Racing had a great race at Rootstock Racing's Endless Mountains. Right. They had another fantastic race is that the middle and the back of the pack do not suffer the experience because race directors and you qualify in this category don't build a race that that meat grinds the back of the pack to, to bits at the at the at the enjoyment of the front of the pack teams. 
Talk a bit about yeah, that. Yeah, we would. I mean, I would agree with that completely, both from, from maybe two perspectives. One, we have our iconic places we want everybody to see, and we start there, and then we kind of build from that. And so it's it's not just adding, um, you know, relatively unnecessary miles. That's definitely right. not the way that this right. course or any of our courses it, so You're not making it more challenging by making it just longer, right? Because that's one yeah, strategy then, you could use. Yes, exactly. And in another way, to be honest, it's, it's, we always, you know, Jason and I talk about this. It's, uh, in a way, if you're going, if you know, you're going out to try to clear the course, you are actually might have it easier when it comes to a certain part of the strategy, right? It's a very difficult thing. If you're in the middle of that and you're thinking about getting some of the, uh, these, these pro points, right. To kind of be placed between just mandatory or all pro or clearing the course, that's a very difficult decision that's choosing when to do that and how to do that. And so it's a, you know, there's navigation and that's definitely difficult. And we probably have harder pro point navigation, of course. Um, but there's also the, the strategy that is just which points do we go after if we're going to go after some of those um, type of mentality. And so that that's a, that's a, it's a very, it's almost a different type of race for those teams that are, no, they're not going to clear the course from the beginning. Oh, you know, the timing on that, understanding the timing, how long is it going to take the newbie to finish this course if they have a cutoff at this location? You know, so if we set those times, say you have to be here by this time because this transition area is going to shut down, then, you know, that that becomes another play in that in that equation to make sure that our back of the pack teams um, are able to make it through. The, the real equalizer very often in races like this is, is navigation, right? And and mm -hmm. race directors, they, they live and die by the quality of the courses, the navigation that they're doing. From a map building perspective, and this is for all the, all the, all the map nerds out there, Mark Latanzi, shout out. What did you learn from a map making ability from the first race to the second race in terms of the, the quality of the maps, in terms of how you, you structure them? Like, like, what did you learn and how did you adjust your approach? Um, last year, um, we had a, I had a couple of errors um, on the map coming off of a, a river paddle. One of the um, roads that I found was not accurate. I had a track of that, um, did not show up on the race map itself. And so that was an error. Um, and so that was a learning experience and something that will obviously not be duplicated in you know, that's, that's the goal. Um, was to that make the sure section that one, just like, the question was then last year, cause we, I followed the race closely last year. We, we talked about it every day. You had the opening bike section and then you got in the paddle and you had that first long paddle. There was like a several kilometer trek from the river up to that checkpoint. Was that the area that you were talking about there? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, the, the map that was, that the, the racers had had the old four service map on it. Um, and those, those roads were, from the seventies, mm -hmm. um, you know, not, not the newest roads. And so when I went in and checked that area found that, Oh, okay, this is not accurate. Um, so I had a track for that map, um, that was not, didn't make it to the race map. And so that's an area of improvement that can be made. Um, and so also, you know, learning that, um, yeah, the scale of the map, the detail of the map is going to be very important. Um, so when we have an area that has more single track on it, um, having a map that's more specific to that single track to identify exactly where those those trails are so that they can be read well um, is another learning experience. It was funny watching the track last year, how there were some teams that that section really kind of befuddled and some teams sailed right through it. 
It was right. amazing to see how they just, but to your point, you always want to have maps that are, that are as accurate as possible. You know, there was a, a, a race, a race was held one time. I remember, I remember covering it a while ago, not this year. And they, the, the, the maps were just, they were ancient, ancient maps. Right. And the, mm-hmm. and the race director basically said at the beginning of the race, like, and this wasn't a, an expedition race. This was a shorter race where the stakes were a little bit less that listen, maps are maps and topography changes, roads change things. So you have to use your head, know your big and figure it out. And so I, I think to your point about correcting a map and having a map error there, that's adventure racing. Right. It is. And, you know, at the same time, with a lot of the maps, um, four service maps that we have, um, there are roads that are out there that are not on the map. So knowing your elevation, knowing your distance, knowing where you are is going to be a big component to, you know, knowing, yep, that's the road that I want or no, this is just an old road that's just not there. You know, so having your 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 navigation skills at hand is going to be important. Right. Right. Yeah. And keeping your, your, your navigator on their toes, whoever he or she may be. And on top right. of that, backing up that navigator. Well, right. So navigation, a huge part of it. And I completely agree with you that when it comes to having the, the, these top teams coming in there and then having a middle of the pack and a back of the pack teams, navigation very often is an equalizer, you know, there's, Absolutely. You, know you know, to make a, to make a, a, a comment, you know, uh, uh, Mark Harris of Venture Enablers is allowing GPS to be used this year at the Shenandoah Epic, right? And, and Mark and I are going to have a, a conversation about that. We're going to talk about it on the dark zone. I'm curious as to the, the impact of that on the race itself, right? And, and credit to Mark for trying something new and seeing how that goes. The, the, one of the more common concerns I've heard expressed about that is as an option is the fact that navigation is a separate discipline in adventure racing. And if you remove that separate discipline, you're kind of, you're, you're, you're changing the, the, the weights and the balances of all the other expectations of the physical fitness, the team, but dynamic, the navigation dynamic. And so being agnostic to the impact on the quality of the race, it's still going to impact the race. And so I, I, I call that out because as we talk about navigation at Ozark, that's going to be something that everybody has to do well. That being said, what makes those world-class teams, world-class teams or world-class navigators, right? And not always the fastest teams win the race, but the teams that navigate the best is who we see. So those out there who are looking at Ozark or any race, get a map in your hands and do some orienteering, right? Practice with a map. Yeah. Um, as As you look at the race itself and the big picture of the race as it all comes together, obviously map creation, the length of the race, race disciplines now what i'm assuming you're going to do because you did it last year and big races do this eventually you're going to put out a schematic where you're going to show the 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 run of the course and you'll have in there the different disciplines when they come alive and you're probably nowhere near there yet it's it's now late december the race is in april not asking about that but have you revealed to the public the general disciplines that will be activated during the race and what can you talk about there yeah, it'll be, um, you know, it'd be very similar to last year when it comes to the breakup of disciplines, even to some extent, the, the, the different mileage for those, each of those disciplines is going to feel relatively similar. Um, I think again, I, it's, it's the reason we choose the spring should be help people understand the, at least the type of water that we're trying to include, right? right? I don't think we're trying to hide that. That's the reason we're doing the spring. Um, because we think it's one of the most special things about, about the, the, the Ozarks and, and what we have here. Um, 
but other than that, yeah, I think it'll feel exactly really, really similar to everybody that, that did the race or watched the race last year. Uh, we will have, um, you know, as of right now, again, things change, just like you said, we are, you know, we're well underway, but there are definitely things that are still could happen between now and then. But as of now, yes, there will be ropes and we will talk more about the, the requirements when it comes to gear of that, um, in a later update to all the race teams. Um, and then other than that, just, you know, a, a, we do have long sections and long legs, definitely. But our focus is really to kind of try to say when those teams are going to need that spunk or they're going to need that that kind of adrenaline boost. And we try to have the course design uh, be there for them in those states, right? And so, you know, we did learn a lot about some shorter legs last year, and that might be one of the alterations we kind of look at. But it's not about just about the length. It's about the when and the how those come into play throughout the course of the, the race. But How did you like... When you look back on your experience last year as race directors, right? And you, and you, it's a journey for everybody, right? And it's a journey from, at one point, the two of you sat in the room and you talked about possibly putting a race on. And then you went through the, the, the years, the months, however long time it took to actually finish the race. And I always like to say like the, the race is over when the last racer gets on the last plane to go home. Like that's when the race director sort of shuts down. The last car pulls out of town and it's over and everyone is safe and secure. And the event is the event is the event. How did you both feel when that moment came? Did you turn right away towards the 2024 edition? Did you take a break? Like, what was it like when it was all said and done? How did you process that out and how did you grow from it? It was a it was a unique process. I remember reading somewhere and I can't remember who which race director it was that wrote it. But it said, OK, the race is about to start. You guys have a great race. I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> and I, it was the thinking, you know, that's, that's hilarious because obviously when the race starts, you're not napping. Um, right. it's all in you're, you're, you're losing sleep as well. Um, so yeah, after the end of the race, it was a, it was a great experience to, to grow from, to look back and say, okay, this can be better. This was great. Um, this was amazing. You know, those, those, the other day I talked about, um, you know, the, the racers coming in at the end and, you know, congratulating them, giving them hugs, you know, and everybody, even the next day, just happy and smiles on their faces, you know? Um, so that was amazing. Um, and then, yeah, when it was over, it's like, okay, let's, let's think about next year and let's see, you know, what we can do. We learned a lot. How can we improve? Um, how can we make this a, you know, equally or even better experience? I would say, I mean, for me, it was uh, the the very top ultimate goal. Well, of course, beyond safety, I will, you know, take those kind of aspects of the race, and, and that was kind of obviously as a first race or first iteration of our race, safety was just at the topmost concern of everybody. But beyond that, my my personal goal was that everybody would just express how dumbfounded they were that Arkansas is this beautiful. Right. And that to me is what, um, I, I don't think there was a single team that was not relatively astounding, even the local teams that they're like, I didn't know we had that here. Right. And that to me is probably the most special moment is because I knew that. Right. And then I remember when I moved away and I moved back, I, that was a personal uh, realization to me that I had taken that stuff for granted. Right. Um, and so that was, that was something that was really ultimate for me that wanted to, to share that with everybody. Um, and we did, you know, you know, the way that I try, I, I, again, I personally think Jason and I complement each other really well. I, I have such a big picture vision of this 
and know this this region just so deeply um, that when we made one, it's and probably every race director feels like this is it's almost impossible to, to to design one race at a time. You know, you're 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 making strategic decisions on do you save that for a following year? Do you do that this year? It's it's, it's just a constant kind of you know back and forth battle on how much to to do in, in, in any given year. And so, so yeah, we had, uh, I mean, I already had that concept ready. Um, and Jason and I had talked about it and in a way we didn't have it planned at all, but we'd had kind of different visions for future iterations of this race. So 2024 was, um, ready, but I don't think either of us started right away. I think, uh, uh, we, we were both incredibly drained and in such a positive, healthy way, but it was, it was, yeah, we, we had accomplished what we wanted by to let the world know and not just what we wanted, but our entire team and the foundation that's, that's a part of this race. And yeah, you know, everybody involved is, and everybody involved in, in Northwest Arkansas in general is just trying to showcase, Hey, we got something really special here in our outdoor recreation, our outdoor space. And, and we think that we played a, a, a very amazing addition to that goal. And that's one thing you made no secret of on, on last year's episode when we discussed it. And, and, and this year, as we talk a bit about it, that a, a large reason why Exhibition Ozark exists is that is that it's been discovered. And it's been understood that that section of Arkansas, that northwest corner with Bentonville being the host city, is just it's a, it's a natural playground. And Bentonville has really become a, a an adventure destination in so many ways. Right. I think. Tell us, talk a bit about the idea, like you are one event that is kind of slotted around all the other events that happen in and around the area. Can you talk a bit about what else happens down in Bentonville? Yeah, I'll take that. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. um, it's, I, I live and, and right in the downtown core. Um, it is a very special community that is really going all in on outdoor recreation, right? And and I don't see that I don't say that just in the fact of making a bunch of great play places for visitors. It's really, I mean, I, I say this all the time to people. I I take my two year old to daycare on single track, right? Like we ride to daycare, so it's a part of our life here. Um, I keep saying here. I'm actually down in South America right now, but it's a part of our life in Bentonville in our community. The outdoor recreation is really just an outdoor lifestyle, and so come with that it, there are events all the time and and there's running races there's amazing gravel the gravel scene is just epic here maybe maybe top of, of the entire country if not the world one of the top some of the top races um mountain biking trails of course are just just it's amazing to see you just going to work or you're riding around after work or something and just kind of see the amount of people that are that are recreating outside and then the water and the climbing and those kind of things are starting to follow suit. And um, that's really, really special. But but I'll say the most special thing, and that's why we knew that the Northwest Arkansas Bentonville especially is is the perfect home um, for this, is the community comes out and supports these types of things. And I think any racer, maybe second to, wow, those rivers were amazing. It might be, it is amazing to see how many people came out to support, even on the course, let alone at the at the finish line. And so that's something also that we really wanted to exemplify is that our community is really special. They come out to watch these things. They come out to support them because it's really, they know those things are a reason why the place that they live is so special and why they're choosing to live there is that, is, is, is that kind of atmosphere in that environment. It's not lost on me that you've mentioned water three times in 29 minutes. So I think anybody who, 
anybody who is considering hanging down extra to Ozark, it's not a bad time to get on the paddle, get in the gym and work those upper arms. Cause I'm pretty certain it's going to be a lot, a lot of time in the water. Speaking of time in the water, um, water and weather, those things go hand in hand. I remember a video last year of uh, Mary Forster, former Dark Zone guest, also the uh, the subject of our T-shirt that we sold last year. Her team coming up, walking up, wearing their dry suits and just being quite cold. And obviously that happens at night. This is adventure racing. You're supposed to get cold. If you want to get cold, that's okay. There's other sports for you to do. What is the usual weather span that we're going to see over the course of the race? It can vary. Um we had a, yeah, I mean, I think the, the low in Northwest Arkansas, that time of year is in the 20s. And I think the high has been in the 80s, records, record high, record low. Um, and so it can it can vary, just kind of depends, you know, and if we, we can have rain, obviously it'll be the springtime. Um, so looking ahead and seeing um, what the weather's going to be like will be important. Um, required gear will include a wetsuit or a dry suit. Uh, we'll we'll make that known soon, um, and um, so being prepared for that is a big thing. You had that. I remember last year you had that interesting uh, choice to make. I want to say it was day three, but I could be wrong. Remember, adventure racing. We say there's there's really just two days. There's the first day and there's the last day, right? And then there's everything else that happens in between. So right. day two or three last year, you had some a bad weather system that came rolling in. And you had to make a, a, a pretty quick decision regarding racers, halting the race, holding in the TAs. For the aspiring race directors that are out there, walk us through how you approached that decision. Yeah, it was a um, it was a difficult decision to make, especially in our first um, you know first iteration of this. But I will you know the one concept is that was front and center mind is that just about a week before we'd had a really terrible tornado stroll through little rock, which is pretty close to, to, to us, at least, you know, in, uh, given the circumstances. And so that was absolutely front and center of our mind racers mind. It was kind of, uh, it was big news. Right. And so this time of year we have potential for tornadoes. Those, you know, as Jason said, things can change drastically. I think last year we did have eighties on one day and we did get into the twenties at the night. So it's pretty crazy to think that we had a 60 degree Fahrenheit swing in our race. Um, and, and that that's relatively common, but those storms, that's what brings that. That's what brings those cold fronts in. And those generally could be led with, with bad thunderstorms and or potential watch for tornadoes. So the biggest thing for us is that we wanted to make sure it was fair. Right. And so we had heard the, we, we'd obviously seen the forecast. Unfortunately, the forecast had nothing of the sorts when the racers took off. So there was nothing but good forecasts for them when they had taken off and last when they put their phones down. But we started to get wind of that about 36 hours before that the storm was coming in. And we decided pretty quickly, what we've got to be able to do is make a decision early so that we can let everybody note in a timely manner, because not only does it change, you know, it, it, it changes sleep strategy when it did come in, like you said, day three, it, really we knew as racers ourselves we knew that could drastically impact and if you have an uh if you have like a mandatory shelter in place or a dark zone you push to get to those because um and so that was one thing that was our biggest goal is to let everybody team know pretty early on and so we made an early on we actually did miss the hunt of the storm by a few hours because of that and we chose to do a four-hour shelter in place um wherever you are. And we made that decision about 10 hours in advance so that we knew we could hit every team at one of the transitioners and let them know that that's the rule that, that's coming up that night. And we tried to use that time to also just reiterate, guys, 
this is not something that the world generally is familiar with. Tornadoes is is not something that happens in many different places. We are in the heart of Tornado Alley, and it's something to always um, keep in mind that that it's a very different type of scenario. You know, earthquakes are not something, and hurricanes are not something that we need to to, to deal with. But um, anyways, yeah. So it, it was a it was a real hard decision. I'm very confident that we made the right decision. Safety will always be our priority. And I think at the end of the day, it was about as fair as you humanly could in a race like this. Jason, what do you think? Um, yeah, that was a that was a unique experience. Like Danny said, you know, I mentioned, hey, take a look at the forecast. Make sure that, you know, you are prepared for the <laughs> first couple of days for sure, because things can change. And like Danny said, you know, that that storm blew in. We could see it coming, but it was after the racers had started. So their required gear will help to protect them from those those instances when things can change drastically. Um, and yeah, I know, like like Danny said, it really affects sleep strategy. Um, and so there was, you know, a couple of teams that were rather um, frustrated because it did influence their sleep strategy. And other teams like, OK, this is perfect time to sleep, you know, so um but yeah, I think it was done as fairly as it could possibly have been done from a safety standpoint. I agree with that. You know, I, I having seen it happen in real time, I think that you, you, what we all do, right? We do it in adventure racing in our jobs and our lives. If you're in a position of leadership and you're the leaders of the race, right? The, you know, and the, the thing there is you have to say to yourself, well, well, if I look back on my behavior, what do I want to say about it? Right. Was I thoughtful? Was I considerate that I, that I prioritize safety, right? You want to, I always, in my head, I always write the newspaper article when they report on the choices that I made during that time. And the other part of it too, is that the, when the racers sign up for the race, they recognize the fact that this is a, uh, uh, an energetic, somewhat chaotic, fluid environment where things could change quickly, very, very fast, right? They could, they could, that could happen. You know, the, the story I always tell that I always think about when this topic comes up is the time that we were on the, uh, and I just told the story in another episode, right? So I apologize to the listeners hearing it a second time. But, you know, we started a big race in Scotland and had a huge ocean paddle. And somebody asked during a captain's briefing, was there a safety boat? And the answer from the race director was, well, yes, there is. There's one boat out there, but you're in teams of two for a reason. You're each other's rescue boat that the team is to take care of itself. And when you go out on a race course and you recognize that it's a dynamic, fluid environment, no, no pun intended with rain, that you have to be prepared to adjust to as necessary. And you may not get something from the race director. So be prepared for the change in weather for those conditions. There's a mandatory gear list. You prepare for it. If things go south on you, you got to figure it out. But that's not the race director's fault, right? Where the race director gets jammed up is if the race director knowingly ignores data that they should be acting upon. If something crazy happens on the race course, that's adventure racing, you know? And I, and I think that right. that's, and I remember last year, looking back in the way that you manage the way you handle that, I think it was exactly the way it was supposed to be handled, right? You got ahead of it early. You told the racers what you do when you knew it, and they had at it. Ironically enough, it was the rain that you were expecting actually showed up later, but it was less severe. So people just got really, really, really wet. And I'm sure the two of you were sitting in race headquarters shaking your head, thinking, we, we made this decision based on this, and here's the way it went down. But to your point, good example of how to manage an emerging situation. Yeah, Dan, but, you, but no matter what, we got off with the, our point that this is has the potential and anybody that knows what a tornado is you do not know it could always blow over so i think no matter what just like you said we made it a big deal and teams no matter what knew it was a big deal and i will always be happy if the weather actually took a turn for the better right. and we didn't sure. need to do that but we did do it so they understood there is potential that this could be bad yeah. as part of my day job i'm responsible for calling snow days for a school 
So I'm the, I'm the guy that makes the decision if the kids get to have a day outside or a day at school, right? So I'm either a hero or a villain, right? Welcome, welcome to my world. <laughs> and, and the thing is with that is, is if you make, if you make the right call and the weather turns positive, well, well, good on that. You don't want to make the wrong call and have the weather turn worse and have cars and people and buses out on the road. And, and that's, you got a little taste of that, 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 you know, so shout out to my school superintendent pals out there. Like that's what happens as, <laughs> as, as part of the world. Um, you had said something earlier as, as racers ourselves, right? You, you, you use that yourself and you guys are both have a deep experience of adventure racing. You both have some pretty big races these last few years. Tell us a bit about your own racing. Um, so I just, the last big race was the Venture Race World Series Championships. Um, and it was, it was a, uh, it was a tough race. I think it was the hardest thing I've done physically and mentally um, from a race standpoint. It took us um, eight and a half days to finish that. Um, and we did great as a team. Everybody worked well together um, to overcome obstacles, adversity, um, to break, to stop when we needed to, to um, to adjust, to um, make adjustments, you know, sleep, um, take care of feet. And that kind of thing. All the all the obstacles you could come across. Who are your teammates? Um, Who'd you race with? I had three great teammates. I raced with Mike, James, and Ashley. Um, and they did a great job. Everybody worked well together. Um, we had um, three strong navigators um, to work well. So when one got tired, said, hey, take over. We had backup nav the entire time. Um, and great teamwork. Um, I think it was the best the i mean the hardest race most mentally demanding race um but also probably the very best teamwork i've ever experienced in a race am i correct so, that it was, it was a james gallopo yes exactly. by the way great guy hell of a racer nice guy only only made better by his wife cara who rescued me in the faroe islands so cara glad you're out there james good job out there you guys here for the volunteers so great experience you said eight and a half days out on the course yes so, so you got um, your money's worth Oh, 100%. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it was, it was amazing, too. You know, at night, we'd go across, go buy some things that um, I wish had been during the day because, you know, huge rocks on one section. Like, man, I bet these, you know, they look very majestic. Um, but it was at night. You could see a little bit, but, you know, you're on the move. So um, it was great to see the culture, the people of South Africa. Um, while we were there, the, um, uh, the people on the course are very, very nice. Um, the people before and after were also very exciting as well because um, the World Cup rugby championship was happening as we ended that race. And so while in one of the restaurants, um, it was fun to hear people singing and dancing. And when we arrived at their race check in, um, part of the greeting um, community were people that were singing and dancing as well. So that aspect of the culture was very cool to see. Very neat. Well, that's the greatest part with, with the with the, the big races that we do, right? And, they, and they, you travel to those parts of the world and have the privilege to do so, right? To go to Africa and to go to Arkansas and to go to, you know, um, to go to Oregon is coming back this year, right? They're bringing back exhibition Oregon and all over the world, Philippines, Mexico, Ecuador, pick it. The fact that you get exposed to the local culture and you have a chance to see uh, the, the, the the people that live there and, and, what, and what they value and what's important to them. So I agree about that, that that's a huge part of it too. Before I pop over to you, Danny, and ask you to talk about your racing a little bit, Jason, I just want to ask you, from the Adventure Racing World Series experience that you had, when you're a race director, you have a race coming up, you're a racer and you're also you're a student. What did you learn mm -hmm. in Africa that you're bringing back into Ozark? 
Um, in Africa, uh, man, you know, <laughs> there's some things that I don't want to discuss because we're going to possibly use them. That's an excellent um, answer. Good job. Good job. I know. So, you know, I can't throw too much out there. Um, I could see while doing the race, I could see some of the, the challenges that the race directors had in, in the course and how they would have to adapt along the way. Um, and so it was, it was kind of fun to think about how this how this played in how this played out the planning ahead where they had to make adjustments um and and how that could all work you know and how that may you know maybe some obviously there's you know with with racing you always come across adversity you know adventure race isn't it downhill with the tailwind there's always an adversity that you have to overcome same thing with the race directing there's always something um that pops up and so being able to do that race and kind of visualize their challenges and the ways they adapted to those um, was, was fun. It was a great yeah. experience. It must've been pretty cool for you as someone who, as a racer at that race with zero worry about the race directing during that race to say, listen, I get to watch this unfold. I get to be a spectator as both, as both a racer and as a race director myself. And you get to have a, like a, you weren't having anxiety over what was the decision that were being made to run the race. And you could just be a student. You could just learn. You could just pay attention to those things that are going on there. And of course, having the racer experiences is so helpful too, right? The fact that, you know, so many good race directors are racers themselves and they, and they, they build courses for racers. And, I, and I've never understood race directors who, who don't do it also, right? God bless them. If that's the way it is. If they, if they've never raced and they put on great races, so be it. But I've always seen that race directors that have done it themselves, just they really kind of get it. Get it. And, and clearly racing oh. in Africa gave you that chance. Danny, how about you? Yeah, we uh, well, I was signed up to join Jason in uh, in in Worlds and then life does um, amazing. In this case, amazing things. I did have my our, we had our second baby. We had our uh, little girl um at the end of september and so timing just didn't end up working out for Father, for just for the record join. just for the record there are a few reasons to miss a massive race <laughs> around the world the birth of a new child qualifies one of those reasons okay just so you know i have the yes. i have the i have the checklist here and you're fully absolved <laughs> to miss that race so congratulations i you're appreciate fine. that thank <laughs> you and I, I i i joke i think i actually had less sleep than jason did during those those particular days but um you know that's I wasn't running much in between. That's for sure. But that is 100% um, accurate, but, by the way, the less sleep part. <laughs> but no, but we, uh, we also did Y Racine this year together. Um, you know, it was an amazing race. That was um, probably the di most difficult terrain to ever. And so those for yep. you, those of you that have never raced in South America, in Ecuador, that region, the, the mud will, literally uh just blind your brain right and so that that was a very amazing race i it's i'm actually here in ecuador right now i my wife is ecuadorian and i i lived here for a short period of time so it's actually really funny we ended up in the same region of where i worked i worked at a, this amazing lodge called moshby lodge um part of the national geographic uh, cohort and we we were literally almost in our backyard when we were there, which was really cool to get to race um, in that in that kind of very relatively familiar from a very different perspective type of terrain. So that was an amazing experience. It set us up for excitement and 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 potential redemption for worlds this coming year. We Jason and I are going to go back and do that race um, together, and then. Um, you know, and then we've had a few other small races. Like we had actually just Jason and I just early December did a one up in the St. Louis, Missouri region, 
one of the greatest local races or one of the greatest, uh, you know, one day races in, in, in our part of the world in our mind, in, in our mind. Uh, and it was super fantastic to be back. It felt, it felt normal, right? It felt like we were back to what it's been for the past 10 years racing together, um, in, in so many ways. And so that felt really good and, um, excited to get back to a, a calendar next year for sure. Yeah. I definitely want to, uh, if I've timed this properly, folks listen to this episode now can go back one episode and can listen to Santiago as he discusses the fact that he's hosting world championships this year, this coming uh, fall, this coming November, I believe, down in Ecuador. Um, as someone who had the chance to race in Ecuador, I, I completely agree with you about the the physical terrain challenge is just incredible. The, hill, the hills are straight up and the hills are straight down and you're really going to get your money's worth. And I, I would absolutely jump at the chance to go back and race again in Ecuador. I think that's going to be a great race in Santiago with his 20 plus years of racing experience and race director. I mean, he puts a race on. And mm-hmm. and I think there's an interesting dynamic here talking strategy is the fact that you're getting so many of the top teams coming into Ozark. Those teams are going to race against each other in Ozark and then they're going to repeat that experience in Ecuador just a few months later. Right. So it's an yeah. interesting dynamic to see, you know, because let's be honest, at the pointy end of the race, you know, this is a adventure racing is a community driven sport. We take care of each other. We make sure people are okay on the courses. We're a very niche community, very tight, but racers are going to race. And I'm really curious to see how the battle for Ozark sets people up as from a psychological and physical perspective for the battle for the world championship, which is right around the corner. Yeah. We're, we're really excited to have yeah. those top tier teams in there. That's it's, it's, that is a goal of ours in so many ways. Um, and, and also to just the diversity of the different countries represented is a huge goal too. Cause you know, again, at the end of the day, a lot, one of our, not the main, but one of our main goals is to showcase our region. Right. And, and, and so that's what a better way to do it than inviting literally the, the world to come see what we got here. Um, and I think that's what's special is that, you know, I would assume a lot of teams and actually just literally just got on a, done with a ride with Felipe Muchmeyer and Danny Costa uh, yesterday. And, we kind of talked about this a little bit and I know I've talked about it with even when Safat was considering coming, we had some conversations via email with all of us and Jason and kind of the, the, what we're hearing. And I think Jason and I do the same thing is, you know, you're probably always going to try to include the world championship in your race calendar. And then the other races you do, it's, there's more to it than just the race. It's where I want to go see it's, I want to experience a beautiful place. I want to see a new part of the world. And what I just think is so special is that people are, from last year are, are getting that how beautiful our place is and how spectacular of a destination this is to come. Um, and so that's, yeah, that's, that's really special, but it is going to be, um, it's, it's, it's going to be an amazing race, no doubt. I mean, literally, I think it's one, two, one, three, four, five, and eight in the world. If I'm, if I'm correct and, you know, don't quote me on that in particular, but, really top tier teams are going to be battling it out in a, in what is probably almost a completely new terrain for almost all of them. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I do, as we talked about earlier in, the, in our episode here, I, I do have a certain sympathy for you with the speed of the front of the race, with the eventual, the tail of the race, you're going to have teams spread all over that course. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's no, going to be what's going to be right. How many, how many total teams do you, are you will be, will you have for the race? What's your capacity? The capacity is uh, I think we're going to accept up to 40. Okay. teams um and and i think that uh we'll be in that kind of last year we were at 30 i think that you know i think we'd accept up to 40 but we'll probably make some decisions a little bit later but that you know that 30 to 35 number is really really sweet to us yeah. right and so 
Well, it, um, it falls nice on the manageable. calendar too. From a, from a from mm-hmm. a perspective, it's the the fact that Bend is later on in the in the year, right? It's in, in September. The the Rootstock Racing Alice Mountains is taking a break now. Expedition Canada is not, I believe, having a five day race this year. Don't quote me on that. I know they're having Worlds in twenty twenty five. For folks who are looking for a domestic race experience of a big race, which it's which is successful because you're flying to Fayetteville. Am I right? Fayetteville, Arkansas is the destination airport. And then yep. XNA roughly- is it's sometimes right. it's called Fayetteville, sometimes it's called XNA, sometimes it's called Northwest Arkansas. But yeah, it's uh, it's only about twenty minutes from from right. uh, race headquarters. Yes. Right. And so the ability to get a to to get a five day race experience domestically will appeal to a lot of American racers. Right. They can go down there and the, the success of last year's race, the fact that you're back this year, the fact that because these big time teams don't go to a race that they don't respect. Right. The fact that they're willing to go through the time, trouble and effort to get to you says something about the race there. You know, you, you mentioned motivation earlier, and and I always like to bring this up when we, we have a chance to talk with racers and race directors. People will will come to do your race for a variety of reasons. Right. They'll make decisions about why they're coming down there. What do you what do you think those reasons are? And then what would you say to people who are thinking about racing? What should they be doing now to get ready for it? One thing, um, you know, the reasons they're coming, I think the team last year did a great job of um, people coming in, um, greeting them. Um, um, the race was great. Um, volunteers were great. The entire team um, did a great job of, of guiding the racers and making them feel at home. Um, I think the Northwest Arkansas area is amazing. Like Danny was talking about earlier. Um, something I wanted to add to that is when you're in that town, the pedestrian absolutely has the right of way. So, you know, you cross the street that. without even yeah. really looking, you bike everywhere and the bike, the person on the bike has a right of way hundred percent in, in downtown Bentonville outside of that area, then, you know, it reverts back to, you know, other, other areas. So don't feel like on the, on the, on your bike, you know, you have the right of way crossing any other road whatsoever, but in Bentonville, you'll find that unique experience, um, Northwest Arkansas, you'll find that unique experience where the, um, pedestrian is, is number one. Um, but I think that the overall success of the race, the team's effort, um, is, and the beauty of the Ozarks is going to be the, the, I think one of the main calling cards. Uh, main features why people would come back. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that completely. I think that, you know, Jason and I both as racers and having gone to other places in the world and seen and or doing done races, it's, you know, it is a spectacular. And I think any team would, would talk about this last year is just, I mean, we had hundreds of thousands, hundreds, if not thousands of people at our finish line and coming for our race festivities and supporting it was like Jason and I were kind of, you know, following the course, of course. And there were people up on bridges over the water that were live tracking and just yelling. I mean, we're talking, you know, 30, 40, 50 people on these bridges, not just, you know, one or two family members. And that that's really special. It is a, so, and, and kind of to take the next level of that, I really believe that we have this amazing it's, and it is literally, you can go about 10 miles in almost any direction and you're in what feels pretty raw outdoors, let alone if you had start heading a couple hours or even a day's worth out. So that's a pretty cool, unique um, situation in my mind for, for our region is that we have this amazing, very large, relatively large urban um, home base. And then the race course can get to what might be considered one of the more remote, you know, I think mean, last year we, 
teams were surprised at how remote we really were. I mean, I think there was a section for for some teams that went about 36 to 40 hours without seeing any form of like real civilization. It's kind of cool. If you look at a, a satellite map of Bentonville, there is no urban sprawl. Right, <laughs> Bentonville's Bentonville, and then it's just all green all around it. Right, if you have a look at like yep. the, the nighttime lights, you, you get a sense of that. Um, yeah, and I, and, Arkansas, and I, the natural state, has done an incredible job of preserving amazing amounts of of land from the first for the country's first national river to some of the largest national forests um, sectors in. In, in my mind, probably one of the most amazing state park networks in the entire um, country as well. And, you know, and that being said, you can have all of that and then you can still feel in a ridiculous amount of safety. And so that's something else that I think teams would also come from is that not just the amount of effort and time we spend into safety as race directors and our team does, but also just our region is, you know, our region and our country is very safe. And so that's, that's, priority right that's a, that's priority when you're going to go do what you're going to go do in, in a race like this yeah i think the big part too when you talk about motivation going down there is that like i know for myself with the team that i'm coming with and the race that we're going to have is that there 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 are very few opportunities in life to do something that you love doing with people you love being with right and the fact that we we had the chance to throw ourselves into these experiences and the chance to 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 to, to live life in a certain way that we have this opportunity and you know you know every second counts Right. And so I know from a, a team perspective, the fact that I will have the opportunity to come down and to enjoy the race and to see the race unfold from a from someone who really enjoys adventure racing, enjoys his being with his teammates. I love the fact that it gets to happen and it gets to happen in an area that is I've heard so much, you know, so many good things about. Um, and then, of course, too, you know, the expectation is, is that we're all going to, you know, you just take your best shot. Right. As race directors and as racers and as race supporters and fans, you know, once you tip that down and that race starts, who sees what's going to happen next? You know, and, and mm-hmm. prioritizing safety, obviously, is a huge thing that you talk about. All race directors do, but also mixing the idea that there's a certain level of risk and excitement and choice that you make along the way. And that this this massive 120 mm-hmm. hour playground has now been created for the racers to take part in and is being you know led by two race directors who are racers themselves says a lot there if i could add one more thing that i didn't even mention is that you know we haven't talked about this once yet but you know we are calling this year the the year of the 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 eclipse and that's a really spectacular thing for anybody that has not had a chance it's not a very common thing to get to to experience a full-on solar eclipse and uh, it just happens to be that our region on the day that the race starts so monday april 8th we are going to be going through a full solar eclipse. I think we'll have somewhere about four minutes, which is seems short, but that's an eternity for something like this to actually happen of complete and total darkness. And that is a, you know, that I think the, the state itself is having a, a um, incredible amount of visitation for that on its own, let alone to have the race happen at the same time. So we're, we are definitely going to play that up. We're going to have something special related to it. Um, and, and that's something that, again, it's just one of those amazing, unique situations that we want that alone could be a reason to come to our, our state for that week, let alone the race. And you're going to get to kind of double dip. So that's also a special thing to, to note if there's teams out there still thinking about, um, you will maybe fair to say, never have the opportunity to do an expedition adventure race that has a solar eclipse in the middle of it ever again, possibly (laughs) don't again, don't quote me on that, but. (laughs) <laughs> there's a the, uh, the 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 track of the eclipse will go right through New York State and the the Adirondack Mountains are already places are sold out people are planning to go things like that I just want to point out I appreciate that Mother Nature's coming as a sponsor of the Dark Zone by creating an actual <laughs> Dark Zone during the race it. itself so 
but we're proud that she did that for us. And those are tough negotiations, Perfect. but she put that together. <laughs> um, uh, you two have, a, a, have a, a life to live and a race to plan and things to go do. So I want to uh, close out here with some final thoughts about your own experience as racers, your experience as race directors. Please take it away. Jason, let's start with you. Um, you know, we talked a lot today about Expedition Ozark. Um, some things that were mentioned were the terrain, the water, and that time of year we can have rain. So um, training for the race. Oh, there's there's going to be an eclipse as well. So make sure your headlamps work. Make sure you're trained for the terrain and make sure that you can do your foot care um, that you're prepared for that. Yeah, no, I'm just, I, we, we are so excited to and honored to be able to, to kind of play the role and being able to be a, a, a way to invite people to come see this part of the world. Um, very proud of where we live in our region and all the stuff that's going through. And, um, you know, I'd say if you're on the fence or thinking about it, this is a race that we designed to try to be the ultimate challenge for, um, for those top tier teams, but also, it, we really do believe it could be one of the best um, beginner-friendly expedition-level races out there, and and we we strategize to make that. And so we want to invite um, everybody to be a part of it. And and don't be shy to come before, or after, or stay after. It's it's an amazing, special place. There's a lot going on, and really special people, and in our part of 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 this country, of this world, and. Um, yeah, we're excited. Please, you know, anybody that's got any questions, reach out about the race and, um, you know, you're going to be just stunned by ultimate amazing bluffs and views and epic rivers and some of the most pristine gravel and, and single track that you, you could ever imagine. And it's been a absolutely fun ride to, to do this a second time of designing how to connect all those special places that we got here. Well, there you have it. Thank you to Danny and Jason for coming on to the show. As you can tell from their conversation, their reflection and their thoughts, Ozark is going to be a great race, another strong addition to the American racing calendar. I will place a link to the race website in the show notes. As always, thanks for being a listener to The Dark Zone. If you like what you hear here, please head to your platform of choice and like and forward and stream and click and rate and all that fun stuff. The algorithm likes that. Once again, thanks for being a listener. You keep training, you keep racing, and we'll keep talking. Be safe out there.